Mr. Beast has the most subscribers of any individual YouTube channel in the world. If you compared his more than 169 million subscribers to populations of countries, he'd be the ninth most populous country in the world, just ahead of Russia and Mexico. One of the reasons why Mr. Beast has so many subscribers is because he takes a global approach. Previously, he had channels available in several languages. And now with YouTube's multi-language audio feature, he's providing captions and voiceover dubs in 12 different languages, which has enabled him to consolidate his channels. In March last year, Jimmy Donaldson, which is Mr. Beast's real name, made a LinkedIn post where he talked about the videos he'd uploaded that month across his platforms. And beside them, he included the number of views for each. Turns out he and his team had uploaded 54 videos that generated 283,494,620 views. Turns out more than 160 million of those views, about 57%, came from his non-English speaking channels, more than half. Much of Mr. Beast's growth and volume of views he's gotten has been because he's leaned into serving people who speak other languages besides English, and he's localized his content specifically for them. Globalization is a smart growth strategy. When you focus on serving people who have the problem your business solves, who speak different languages and or live in different countries, growth is inevitable. With the technologies that exist today, this is easier and more cost-effective to do than ever, no matter what type of business you have. So in today's episode, as we continue with our growth series, we're going to cover how you can use globalization as a growth strategy in your business. You'll get introduced to my guest, who's a globalization specialist, after this short break. Okay, I've got another podcast recommendation for you. It's Latinx in Power, hosted by Thaisa Fernandez. It's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. This podcast features interviews with top-level executives, entrepreneurs, and innovators from Latin America, aiming to demystify the tech industry by providing listeners with insider perspectives and insight from Latin American leaders who have succeeded in their fields. I like listening to this podcast because I like hearing from a broad diversity of voices and hearing from and learning from their experiences. One episode I'm super excited to dive into is the latest one, Lead Generation Journey with Glenville Dixon Jr. Listen to Latinx Empower wherever you get your podcasts. So my name is Hilary Axenermanga, and I work in a very niche area of tech called internationalization, also referred to as ITN. Currently, I am at Spotify, and I've had the great privilege of working at a variety of cool companies, anything from startups to medium-sized companies to the bigger companies now recently. So to make sure we're on the same page, I asked Hillary what globalization was, and I was surprised by the answer. Not sure what I thought it was previously, but her response definitely showed that there's a lot of layers and nuance to it. But globalization is anytime you want to take your product or your marketing campaign into other languages or into other markets. And how do you do that? So for me, uh, globalization is tied really closely to accessibility. What you're doing is you're enabling access, you're opening doors for people to use the products in their market and in their language. From a technical standpoint, on the 
the localization and globalization and internationalization side, we have all these different terms. Uh, globalization is an umbrella term, and within that you have internationalization where we modify the code so that the website or the banner or the email can work in the different languages and markets and be accessible. And then localization is where you actually translate and adapt the content so that it makes sense in those markets. Okay. I, I didn't realize that there were those three distinctions, but I think it is definitely helpful for people to know where do you find, is there one area or one of the three or that you find that a lot of times businesses are leaning towards or doing or most often doing when you're thinking about globalization, internationalization or localization? I think a lot of people, you know, when they think about going into another market, they immediately think of translating. So they're not necessarily aware that you might have to do this work beforehand so that um, the content can be translated. So I think people think of it as a, a very narrowly as translation. But even within English, if you think about the work that we do to enable content to reach different users, it's more than just like writing copy, right? There's a lot of other steps involved. And so similarly, when you're going into a different market, there's different steps involved beyond just translating the English copy into the local language. So globalization feels like a really big term. And I can see how if you're not thinking right now about expanding into a new market, that you may not feel like this applies. But unless you are a local business where people can only get your product by physically coming to see you, then you likely have a global business, which means you need to be thinking about globalization. Well, I mean, first of all, we're in a global economy right now. So, you know, whether you realize it or not, you probably have users or people consuming your content or using your products um, outside of English or outside of the U.S. So even in the U.S., we have so many languages spoken um, and kind of like many markets uh, and niche markets represented here. And then when you think about things being online or accessible in the App Store or Google Play, the reach can be very broad. So you have this these untapped markets and these groups that you might not be reaching if you're not thinking about globalization. And so there's a lot of opportunity there. Most people, if they have any sort of online presence, probably have customers in other countries. So thinking about the reality of what that experience is that you're delivering for those people in, under, in other countries is helpful. When brands aren't intentionally practicing inclusive marketing, what often happens is they end up excluding people they never intended to exclude because they didn't consider those identities when they were planning out their products, services, and experiences. The same thing happens with globalization. Here's Hillary explaining common ways brands unintentionally exclude people from other countries and simple fixes to remedy that. I think um, if we remove translation as an aspect, there is still a variety of ways that you can limit uh, accessibility or enable accessibility. So uh, one way, for example, if you're selling physical goods is to accept payments from other places. So it's enabling your payment platform to accept payments from other places. This is really simple. And then, you know, like, let's say if you're processing orders, the way your address fields are in your product a lot of people don't know, but the way that addresses are in other countries is different. So we're used to seeing like street one, street two, you know, city, state, uh, zip. If you've ever sold to Canada, you know it's a little bit different. Like they have 
province, right? But then when you get into other places, the the address formats are also different as well. And so you might have got someone come all the way through your funnel, and then right when they're about to put in their address to receive the product, they are unsure of how to fill out the address fields. And there are like free libraries that you can pull down that have all that formatting done for you. It's just a matter of enabling it. And the same thing with payment processing. So enabling your processing to receive payments from other places, telephone numbers, the way the telephone numbers are entered into. So like we have a three digit zip code in the US, but it's um, two in some countries and four in others, not zip code, area code. So it's different in different places. And if the formatting isn't enabled for that. And then when we get into like apps, just enabling the app to be available in other markets is a really simple thing you can do and then see if you gain any traction because there are many English speakers in other locales. So there's ways that you can, especially if you think about globalization as a means to accessibility, enabling accessibility in different places or for people who speak languages or live in places other than the U.S., I think it opens the perspective to kind of zoom out and move beyond just translation. Absolutely. There's even something like uh, as simple as dates and the way dates are written. Yes. Because they're written. I was I was working with somebody in Canada and I wrote um, a date one way, but she's like, well, I don't know. Is this May 4th or is it April 5th? Right. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like just little things like that make a, a big difference and that impact. Um, what is it? Communication, understanding, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. they probably just add unnecessary friction where there doesn't need to be. They add friction and confusion, but it also, I think it feels like a term I like to use is sloppy seconds. So if you're yeah. a user consuming a product and it, and it just feels a little off, I don't know, maybe you've interacted with something written by AI that you felt like this isn't quite right, right? you know, and when you're the user interacting with a product that doesn't feel like it's um, enabled for you, accessible to you, it starts to feel either suspicious or like the brand doesn't care about your experience and they just perceive you as like a lower class user. So um, it can hinder you know, retention in those places or just like engagement with your campaign or your product. Yeah. So I can see how globalization is something that people should be thinking about for digital products or mm-hmm. electronics even. Like I just always mm-hmm. remember my husband getting whenever he moved, like whenever he got here, whenever we moved to the U.S., both in his car and whenever he got his cell phone, he was easily able to set everything up in Spanish and, yeah. you know, seamlessly, right? And it would just happen because it was planned for, they thought, oh yeah, like there are going to be people, you know, who speak different languages, who use our product mm-hmm. and we don't want to limit that, right? So are there other areas beyond, let's say, something digital or electronics that you say that people should be thinking about globalization as well, or is it? Uh, are those kind of like the areas where it's most sort of used? Well, I mean, my specialization in my work is mostly within the digital space and specifically within apps, but there's definitely other areas. I mean, when you think about access to medical treatment, um, yeah. being able to drive 
cars, uh, pass exams, enrolling your kids in school. Like there's lots of different places where um, enabling access for languages other than English or limiting access affects the person's experience, right? And it's easy to think about that if you have maybe been on a vacation in another country or lived in another country and then you needed to communicate something and you didn't have a means to do that uh, or you didn't have, it completely bars your access from that experience or from that product. And then, you know, you're just, you're blocked, your access is blocked. So I think there's a lot of spaces and in an increasingly globalized world where we're all interacting with each other all the time, it just becomes more and more relevant in lots of different spaces. When Hillary and I first started chatting about what we wanted to cover for this episode, one of the things that really intrigued me was how closely connected globalization is to accessibility. And as you listen to her marry the concepts, you'll see how embracing globalization will not only help you grow by reaching and serving more people, but it also enables you to create transformation for more people, which is pretty cool. I think if you think about the common goal of both being removing barriers to access so that someone can interact with and use the experience or the product in the same way that the rest of the users can, the parallels become really clear. But from a globalization perspective, some great examples are, you know, if we look at a product like WhatsApp, for example, which is uh, one of Meta's products, and I used to be at Meta, although I didn't work specifically on WhatsApp. WhatsApp enabled people to receive payments, for example. And when you do that in a country where maybe banking is, is really challenging or it's difficult to receive payments or open bank accounts or get credit cards, you can enable a whole piece of the economy where now, let's say, different demographics or communities that didn't have access to banking or credit cards can now open small businesses. They can send money to their friends. They can pool money together and share with their neighbors, et cetera. And that can really transform economies. Similarly, um, if you think about encrypted messaging or you think about even like access to podcasts or information that they didn't previously have, these are all ways that enabling global access can be really transformative beyond just that specific product or app. So you're giving people information, you're giving them mobility, um, you're giving them technology that they might not have had access to. Globalization and the accessibility that comes with thinking about people who don't live in your country or who have a different primary language than you, it levels the playing field in terms of access to information, access to tools, and access to products. So think about a course you've taken, products you've used, or even content you've consumed that have been transformational for you. Imagine that you didn't have access to any of those because they were created in a language different from the one you speak or it wasn't available in the country where you live. How would that have impacted your life? TED Talks, for example, have been transformative for people all over the world. The TED team knows that and wants to ensure as many people as possible are able to access their products which is one of the reasons why their TED Talks are translated into more than 100 languages. We'll dive into the specifics of what globalization looks like in your business after this short break. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron or could it be Don or John or Sean? 
Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's all-new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution part, at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs and a full 360 view of every customer so your go-to-market team can keep a pulse on accounts before trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means. Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. What are the biggest mistakes that you would say that you've seen brands making with regards to globalization? I think there's a couple different areas. There's like people really swing one way or another. So on the one hand, people think that they have to just completely globalize the entire experience, every single little thing on the website. And if they don't do that, it's not good enough and they can't enter the market. And that's simply not true. I mean, you can look at, like, let's say, for example, where I currently work at Spotify, there are parts of the experience that are localized or globalized for certain markets because they make sense in that market. And there are parts that are not. So even if you get on Spotify's website and see where is it available, you can see that there's different markets and different languages available for different parts of the experience because maybe certain pieces don't make sense. So that's one mistake that I see people make. And then inversely, they'll do that or they'll either swing to the complete other side and they're like, we'll just Google translate the whole thing and (laughs) people will understand or we'll just send out this like push notification in a language that we don't actually support. And then people get the push notification and they're like, oh, cool, I can create an account. And they go to create an account and their language isn't supported. So you have to find that happy medium. Just popping in here with a quick public service announcement. Based upon what Hillary just said, do not use Google Translate to translate content for your customers. It's a wonderful tool and it has its place for usage, but translating customer-facing materials isn't one of them. That's what Hillary would call sloppy seconds. And I've seen and heard about too many examples where it does not produce the results you desire. Rely on professionals who can guarantee quality and correctness for that. Okay, back to Hillary. Another one I think I want to call out is that people think of globalization as being extremely expensive. And a lot of times they're hearing this from people who have, you know, not thought about globalization from the beginning. So they just built everything with English in the U.S. in mind. And then when they tried to go back and globalize, they had to rip out and redo a lot of things. And at that point, it can be expensive. But if you keep in, in your mind as you're building that one day, maybe you would like to take this campaign, this product, this experience to another locale. And you think about, you know, like, formatting for address fields or enabling access in the app store, um, those kinds of things, then once it's time to globalize, it's a lot easier and it is not that expensive. So it really just depends. If you think about an analogy I like to use is if you're building a building and you know that at some point people will need to access it in wheelchairs, but you don't make the hallway, you make the hallways too narrow. You're like, we'll take care of that later and you don't include a shaft where an elevator could be, et cetera, then later when you have to rip it all out and redo your work, it is 
very expensive, that if you had thought about it from the beginning, it would have been a much cheaper add-on. Absolutely. It's basically this whole concept that I latched onto when I was studying like Six Sigma and all that stuff is yes. done right the first time. Yeah. <laughs> If you do it right the first time, which is being inclusive of and thinking about like the future from the beginning and all the different types of people who had the problem that your business solves, then yeah, it's a completely different, probably order of magnitude difference yes. in how much it costs to create something, to build something. Um, and like you said, it doesn't always have to be you go out from the very beginning supporting all of these different iterations. It's just knowing that you have the capability to in the future, whenever you're ready. <laughs> right. And something on that point too, I've seen, so I have done consulting in the past and I've seen where people who are looking for investors, that's a great selling point for whatever you're trying to, to get investors on board with is that you have been thinking about that from the beginning and it's not going to be a, a huge added cost if they want to invest in your product and take it to other locales. Uh, locales is like a technical word we use for languages. So, <laughs> okay, got it. Um, do you have any best practices to share of what people can do to get started with globalization? I think um, it's easy to be intimidated by the process, but I think at a very base level, thinking about your product from the perspective of someone who is not in the U.S. or speaks a language other than English is a great starting point to get started. So, um, and you could even enlist the help of someone you know that maybe speaks another language who, or has lived in another country. There's also um, some really great products that I'll see if I can remember their names and share with you later where you can um, have testers try and use your product in another place. So you can pay to have a few testers like run through your experience that you've put together. And that can give you a good starting point of what areas make sense or don't. Like the value proposition doesn't make sense, the product doesn't work, or um, maybe the branding isn't a good sell and you need to adjust the branding. So one example that I learned about recently from a colleague, he was hired by a mattress company to go and um, redo their campaign in Japan because they had launched in Japan and it was a big flop. Like nothing was selling, people weren't buying the product. And they had done some initial market research where they knew that people in Japan spent money on, on luxury mattresses. And so they had anticipated a different response. And as he, as he dug into it, he saw that the marketing of the product didn't make sense in Japan. They were kind of trying to sell to Japanese people an uh, American idea of rest. And in Japan, people thought of rest differently. And so the marketing was confusing and didn't make sense. And I think maybe even insulting. He has said. So once they redid that marketing campaign, the problem was solved and they started to have users. So it was really just thinking of it from the perspective of someone in another place. That makes a really big difference. It does. So I have a, um, a translation team and we offer this service for specifically Spanish language translation. Cool. And we have a client who it's clear that whenever they're creating their content, they're creating it with an English speaker in mind. Yeah. So the translators have to work very hard to make some things make sense. And, you know, in Spanish in particular, because 
it just doesn't translate using those phrases, using those right. different things. It's just, it's just very specific to a U.S. based English audience. And so it just doesn't kind of, yeah. Yeah. You know, so like a lot of marketing campaigns revolve around holidays. And if you're trying to translate for the United States, like a Memorial Day campaign into Spanish, that makes sense because the Spanish speakers are in the U.S. But if you're trying to take that to the Dominican Republic or Venezuela or somewhere else, and you're trying to run like a banner saying like Memorial Day sale, it doesn't make any sense. It's confusing. Yeah. Or maybe even like insulting like maybe the user is like what do you mean we don't even have that holiday here right you know so also the hemispheres so people will do like spring themed yes. things where maybe it's fall in the southern hemisphere and it's it's really easy to take the the sale or the content and then find something locally relevant yes um and you could even work with a, a local consultant or maybe the translation team that you partner with offers those kinds of services where they can suggest an alternative um so it's not again it's not like it's not like it's a, a huge amount of lift to change it it just requires you know putting yourself in the state of mind of the end user what does uh, incorporating globalization in the product development process look like? Is it really just what you were saying, um, thinking about it from the end user or the different people who are in different markets and what that might be like for them? Is that the, the place to really start? That's a good place to start. But I think if you, um, I would say take the uh, user lifecycle or the product lifecycle. So say acquisition, engagement, retention, et cetera, and think about globalization and how you can incorporate it into each step. Because what you don't want to do is add it on at the very end, like a waterfall um, process, and instead incorporate it within each step of that life cycle. So for example, with acquisition, maybe you want to make sure that you're available in the app store or that your concept makes sense to users for your campaign, et cetera, that they can sign up for a new account, that they can, you know, fill out the onboarding form or whatever it is, um, that they can see the onboarding form in their locale, those kinds of things. So that would be one way of thinking about globalization within acquisition. And then with engagement, do your push notifications, are they enabled for various different languages? Are you translating content that they can engage with? Are you offering content that they can engage with, et cetera? So thinking about it within each step so that your users are included and also you're not having to go back like a waterfall process at the very end and try and identify every piece. So that's the key, you know, within a product development, like on a tech side, you want to make sure that the code is enabled, that you can extract text for translations, that when you do quality assurance checks, QA, that you're also QAing in other languages, um, those kinds of pieces. Where can people find you if they want to know more about you and your work? On LinkedIn. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I, it's one of the only forms of social media that I still engage with. I think working in tech, I'm kind of like, oh, social media. I want like real life. I want books. Totally get it. I'm outside. But uh, yeah, I am there. You can find me there. All right. I'll drop a link to that in the show notes so people can find you easily. And this has been so fascinating, so enlightening. Thank you so much for stopping by. Do you have any parting words of wisdom for marketers and business leaders who want to lean into globalization as a way to be more inclusive and reach more customers? 
I think just parting words, think about globalizing before you need to. Um, so have it in, in your mind. Think of globalization as enabling accessibility. Um, so it extends beyond translation and it's not expensive. It's easier than you think. I so love that conversation with Hillary, and I'm excited to see all the ideas I have about globalization in my business moving forward. So here's what I want you to do as you think about how to apply what we've covered. Take the time to think about who you want to have access to your products. Do you want to include people who speak different languages and people who live in different countries? If so, get specific about what those languages and countries are so you can have a starting point. The next thing I recommend you do is an audit of your customer journey based upon the life cycles mentioned. Evaluate how well it works at each part of the journey for people who speak different languages and live in different countries. And one more thing for you to do is to think about how to incorporate a global view into the development process of everything you create moving forward so you can do it right the first time and save on resources rather than trying to have to retrofit something after the fact. Sloppy seconds not only makes people feel like an afterthought and like they don't belong, but it also gets quite expensive. If you need help with these, do reach out and let me know between the inclusive growth assessments and the belonging accelerator. I've got services designed to help you with this. I'll drop links to both in the show notes for you to get more info. That's it for today's episode. If you like the show, I love it if you share it with a friend, colleague, and or your network. If you do share on social, please tag me. I'd love to join the conversation with you. Also, if you're enjoying the show, please do leave a rating and review for it in your podcast player of choice. It really does go a long way toward helping more people discover the show. Have you joined the Inclusion and Marketing newsletter yet? If not, what are you even doing? Each week, I share stories, insights, news, and other tips to help you attract and retain more customers by building an inclusive brand. Go to inclusionandmarketing.com slash newsletter to get signed up. I'll also drop a link to that in the show notes so you can access it easily. Until next time, remember, everyone deserves to have a place where they belong. Let's use our individual and collective power to ensure more people feel like they do. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon.